This is a great day. This is the day the Lord has made. I, Lindsay, we're on the same tune. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will rejoice. That's my plan. And be glad in it. Wow. You know, we get to rejoice. And rejoicing and being glad are two different things. Someone's going to find out the difference and preach on that one. <laughs> Love the worship here. Thanks, Mary. This is a... Whew. Turn to Jimmy. We're singing the song, I Exalt Thee. And a guy named Pete Sanchez Jr. wrote that in 1977. Man, we're still singing it 43 years later. It, and it's, it's gotten richer. It's gotten deeper. You know? Pete Sanchez Jr., I want to meet him. Because I'm sure when he was doing what he was doing, writing that song, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I kind of like this. Yeah, let's see what happens with this. And, and God multiplied it, and I just, yeah. That gives me such vision for the small things that we're doing. And there's people in the room. I mean, what we're doing right now, um, 40 years later from now, people are going to be benefiting by it. So much of what's going to happen through us won't happen in our lifetime. So when, when we get a prophetic word, it's not just about us. It's about our family tree, our spiritual descendants, that the Lord, that much of what's going to happen will happen th through us, through generations. And, and that's why when we hear a word it's, or give a word, we're not just giving it to the person. We're, we're giving a, a word through that person. All right, in a moment, I'm going to um, ask those of you who were here last night, if you heard a phrase uh, that blessed you, I'm going to have you raise your hand, and then you'll say the phrase, and I'll repeat it, and that will help those of you who weren't here last night to catch up and know where we were, where we were at. And by the way, those of you who were here last night, how much do you appreciate our team? My... I'm thinking, who are these people? <laughs> and I have three students from the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in Redding, California. Uh, Third-year students are on my team this year. They're traveling with me on this trip. And so I'm going to be using them this morning as I did last night. And my, my assignment to them is just pray. Uh, ask the Lord what he's saying to the people in this room or to this region, and then re report that to you. <laughs> report it to you. Yes. And we know that you're, you're connected well to the Lord and you're able to discern. You know, we submit every word that is spoken to Scripture, to leadership of this house or leaders in your life. How many of you know in an environment like this where you hear... Uh, where this is, this is, this atmosphere is pregnant with potential. And when you have people who are, are releasing what they're hearing, it creates a dynamic 
of breakthrough, transformation like never before. All right, why don't you just say this after me? Say, God brought me here today because he believes in me more than I believe in myself. He's preparing me for something bigger than I know. Something's happening in me today. It's supernatural. It's going to increase. And I'll never be the same again. Amen. Yes, you receive that. <laughs> Let me just share. I want to share a personal testimony, kind of a process. Because what I love to do is I love to share what I believe the Lord has told me about how to respond to things in life. And, you know, one of the biggest lies of the enemy is that the gap between speakers and those who are listening, that it's a huge gap, you know, and that the people who are, are, are speaking in front of people don't battle the same issues that the people sitting in seats do. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> and and I, I love to break the wall down on that because it gives hope. And that's why I love sharing my story. I love sharing the struggle that, that I, I have or I've had and have, even embracing my own message. Because then it, that, that connects people. Okay, wow, you're still in process too. And, and we're growing into these things. And so just even a very current thing where, you know, we, we try to plan our trips very well. I do a lot of traveling and we have a whole team that's behind that and how we do it and Every once in a while, uh, something doesn't go just the way it should. Let's laugh at that as well. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> so like on this trip, um, many of the books that I thought were going to be here are not here. Ha <laughs> ha. And so, uh, you know, and just kind of uh, as, a, as, a, as a leader, and I look, you know, I, 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 my own, okay, what, what could I have done better? And then, because eh, I want to I get books to you. Uh, that's important, and then, yeah, you know, it's also part of the, the, even the business that we do um, in books and financial things, and so, you know, just, uh, you, you hear information that doesn't excite you, <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like in, in, in Nehemiah 6, you got, you know, Nehemiah's ready to rebuild the walls, and he's... The, he has the enemies, he is rebuilding the walls, and he has his enemies come with one last uh, message to him to try to stop him from moving forward. And, and they send him a letter and they say, why don't you meet with us in the Valley of Ono? <laughs> now, I don't know how that's translated in other languages, but in English, you can get a lot of preaching mileage out of the valley of oh no, <laughs> and I have. And I love what Nehemiah said. He said, why should I come down to you? Why? Why should I come down to you? Why, why, why should I lower? Why should I come into the valley and talk to the enemy? For I'm doing a great work. I don't have time to come down to you. I want to live a life where I don't have time to come down into regret. 
come down into offense, come down into, you know, whatever. And, and so um, even something like this, you know, some of my core values that the Lord's given me is one is that my response to something is almost always more important than the something. My response to something is almost always more important than the something. I remember when we were learning this, we were pastoring in central Nevada. Why don't you just say this, uh, say, God bless Nevada. So I'm learning these things, and we, my, Wendy and I and our, our kids, we don't have a lot of money. We're uh, seeking to have high-level beliefs in a time where we don't have high-level circumstances. <laughs> Which is always the case, so we have to do that. We always have to think higher than what we're experience. I was just learning that. I remember we went shopping. We lived four hours from Reno. We had to go to Reno about every month just to do big shopping. And uh, I'm with my daughter, Heidi and Wendy. And I, we're coming back from shopping and I'm already, I'm not, I'm not in a good mood because I felt like we had spent more money than we should have. Ha ha. And then we get hit with a freak snowstorm. And there's a pass that we have to go over to get to Round Mountain where we lived. And the road is closed. <laughs> so I, I suggest to my wife and my teenage daughter, there's a three, this is about 10 o'clock at night. There's a three, there's a three hour, uh, we could go a three hour other route and get home. But I was vetoed. So I have to spend money on a motel, probably about $50. I don't want to spend. I'm already in a, not in a good mood. Yeah, don't look at me so holy out there. You guys, I, yeah. Ah, yeah, I'm not in a good mood. And, all right. I look grouchy. And, yeah, all right. Go to sleep. And I've got my back turned to Wendy. Don't want to talk to Wendy. <laughs> and the Lord starts asking me questions. How many of you know when God starts asking you questions? He's not, he's not wanting information. <laughs> How many of you know that you're, you're getting set up for revelation? <laughs> starts asking me questions. I said, what's wrong, Steve? What's, what's, what's wrong, Steve? It's kind of like when, when God asked Elijah in 1 Kings 19, he's in a cave, and God says, what are you doing here? <laughs> no, that's it. What are you doing here, Steve? Oh, Lord. Yeah, I just, we, we spent way too much money today. It's these women you've given me. <laughs> it's these women you've given me. Yeah. They're, they're making decisions that... I am forcing me into things. To spend money on a motel. This is a grungy motel anyway. I got, you know, spend money I didn't want to spend. He says, wow. That's interesting, Steve. So, well, Steve, I I could give you that money back. Yeah, easily. But... Uh, if you don't learn to, to prosper in your soul, you're probably going to go 
around this, do a whole bunch of laps in the wilderness for the rest of your life. Third John 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you be in health and prosper in all things, even as your soul prospers. And, and soul prosperity always precedes outer breakthrough. Because when the truth it says in John 8, 32, the truth will make you free, we first get free in our emotions. And then we get free in circumstances. But it has to start on the inside first. And so I'm there, you know, and, and that's where, and I, I just, there's one night where I felt like God was starting to really open my eyes to that, what it means to prosper in the soul. And, and just, all right, my response to something is almost always more important than the something. And so even, you know, just little thing like this, you know, books, mm-hmm, processing, yeah, yeah, okay, wow, whew, this is exciting. This, this is actually exciting, because I get to prosper in my soul more. I've got a choice. And, and you know, I, I've got resistance. You only get spiritual muscle when you push against resistance. I've got an opportunity. This, this is more important. How I respond to this is more important than me getting slain in the spirit this weekend. Ha, ha, ha. And so I say thank you, Lord, for people in the room who are, are getting the revelation that our response to something is almost always more important than to something. Another core value I have is that it's a called adaptability. I will thrive no matter what happens. It's one of, my, one of my beliefs, one of my, Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. And the context of that is, he says what, in verse 11 and 12, whether I'm abounding or abased, whether I have plenty or little, I've, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be inwardly successful. I can do all things. I can thrive in jail. I can thrive as a millionaire. And, and thank you, Father, today that you're releasing a thriving thing on us. Hmm. Yep, just turn to your neighbor and say that. I think that was just for you. All right, who, whoever was here last night and you heard a phrase or a thought, I preached a message on incredible hearing, the Snoopy anointing. Yes. Belief fire. Yes. You know, I talked last night. I love Holy Spirit fire. But I want belief fire. Man, I, I, you know, I want to create fire based on what I believe rather than waiting for Holy Spirit to do something. I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more later. Yep, somebody else. Yep. The same way we enter the kingdom is the same way we advance in the kingdom. It's hearing good news and believing it. Yeah. In, in Galatians 3, Paul rebuked the Galatians for having begun in the spirit, but now think they're going to be perfected in the flesh. And he said, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, the hearing of faith 
is how they got into the kingdom. And he was saying that's the same way you have to advance in the kingdom by hearing something. Somebody else. Yep, future abundance is tied to what I hear. Mark 4.24 says, Take heed what you hear, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And so we, wise people are people who are selective in what they hear. Now, how many know you can hear something and not hear it? Somebody can speak, you know, uh, a word curse over me. You know, I say, well, thank you very much. I don't hear that. I heard it, but I don't hear it. And so what we actually allow ourselves to hear, that's why being, you know, just hanging around pessimists, just, you know, uh, hearing the spirit of fear that's in the media. We, how many you know we can hear information in the media and not hear the spirit behind it? Because if we're just, if we're hearing if we're, if we're hearing a message of fear and pessimism, then, then we need to upgrade our hearing. Someone else. Yep, God needs to partner with somebody who has hope to accomplish his will. Because if something's going to change, somebody has hope. One of my favorite definitions of hope is that hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present, and I have the power to help make it so. And wherever there's hope, whether, wherever there's no hope, all forward movement stops, all improvements stop. They were, there was a town that was going to be covered by a reservoir. They were building a dam. Once the town knew there was no future, all improvements stopped. They didn't care anymore. Who else? Attach your faith. Wow. Hebrews 4.2 says, The gospel was preached to them, talking about the people of the Old Testament. The gospel was preached to them, but it did not... It did not... How does it go? Profit them because they did not mix faith with what they heard. And it's so, it's so powerful when we actually aren't just a passive listener. Yep, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to get some information. I hope this is a good sermon. <laughs> I hope, you know. I hope this preacher makes me feel good. That's passive listening, you know. Active attaching faith is, I'm going to hear something. You know, I shared a story about my dog last night. I had a dog named Snoopy, and he, you know, even if he was sleeping, if we moved the leash just a little bit, he, he always had his ear tuned for the leash. And, you know, like, like our team was saying today, yeah, I mean, all, there are all other kind of noises in the house, you know, doors opening, refrigerator opening, people talking, didn't move them. But he, but when the, when, when the leash moved, whew, he was like shot out of a cannon. And he pulled future walks into his present experience. Because he heard by faith. 
And, and that, that's, that's one of the things I was, you know, that I've, as I've been meditating on this, that that's, that's what I want to, I want to actively, well, today, I can, today's the day, I'm going to hear something today. That's why testimonies are so powerful. It says in Revelation 19.10 that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So every time we hear a testimony, it's like an opportunity. Wow, Lord, do it again. Do it again. I attach my faith to that. Who else? Gladness is a catalytic force. Why don't you just say that? Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness in Hebrews 1.9. Anybody else hear something? Yep, our hope level determines our influence level. He was the most hope is the most influence. Whew. Transformation does not come from surrendering our heart. It comes from surrendering our beliefs. And we need to surrender our hearts. Romans 12.1, give our bodies as a living sacrifice. Um, I know in Jim, in introducing me and talking about our mind, and I know... When we were learning this, my wife, we grew up in a culture where we thought that the reason we weren't having breakthroughs because there was one, there must be some hidden sin in us that we hadn't found yet. You know, our, our, one of our favorite verses was under an old covenant verse in Jeremiah, our heart is, you know, desperately wicked. And search me, O oh God, find any, you know. That's where, that's where we were. Yeah, we, we, that was our mindset. We had an old covenant mindset rather than a new covenant mindset. And I remember with that mindset, Wendy's crying out to the Lord, thinking her lack of breakthrough because she hasn't given God her heart enough. She's crying, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my heart. I guess I can't give you my heart. Just take my heart. And God says, Wendy, I have your heart. Now I need your mind. I already got your heart. Now I just need you to surrender your beliefs. And my, my belief is this, is that every belief we have that doesn't have hope attached to it needs to be surrendered. When I first learned that, that was every thought. Because the only time I thought right when I was under the manifest presence of God. I thought right in the worship service. Oh, yes, amen, waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light and that's who you are. Yes, that's who you are. Whew. But out, after the worship service, pessimistic, victim mindset, insecure, worried, offended. <laughs> Someone please turn the music back on so I can think right. 
Turn it back on. I want to think right. <laughs> Lord says, how you think after the meeting is more important how you think in the meeting. Someone else. Come on, baby. <laughs> light my fire. <clears throat> Leaders learn to light their own fire. Oh, man. I think that's a good place. Hey, I'm going to have my team come on up. You guys, why don't you come on up? We got another microphone here. Yeah. This is Josh, Brenna, and then Lindsay. She comes from this church. I want to just give them a few minutes and uh, just, you know, we're just even talking about hearing. Let's just, let's have this Snoopy anointing with what the, what's going to be said Here's here. Some good news. So what's the good news, Steve? Yeah, just Over each of you just maybe share of one or two things and then. Yeah. You know, I shared this over at the Pickerington campus, but I want to say it again for those of you who weren't there. I heard the word supernatural university over this church and school. And I saw um, Columbus School of Supernatural Education and Columbus wow. School of Supernatural Business and Columbus School of Supernatural Family Life. And it was like this university that, that infused kingdom values and supernatural um, power into all spheres of influence um, right, right here in this city. Oh, I love that. Uh, well, the young lady in the red and black check with a red turtleneck, will you stand up, please? Yes, that's you. Sorry, I don't mean to embarrass you. What's your name? Joe. Joe? Oh, wonderful. I had a word for you when you were standing here in worship. Are you familiar with the running of the bulls in Pamplona in Spain? It's where the people like run and then the bulls chase them. I saw the goodness of God chasing you down with that kind of ferocity. Um, he's, his goodness is not messing around in your life, and he's coming for you. Yeah. And the young lady in the back with the, I think you've got a cheetah, black and gray. Is that you? Yes, ma'am. What's your name? Theodora? Oh, Theodora, I have just such a fun word for you. Um, you are a tour guide in the spirit. You have, you have gifts of extraordinary wisdom and discipleship, and you disciple people with compassion and discernment. And you have deep, deep foundations in the spirit. I just, I just feel, um, I feel so much reverence in my spirit over what you carry and who you are. And because of those deep foundations, the Lord is taking you to even higher heights, and you're going to be seeing, hearing, and experiencing new things in the spirit realm that are going to be brand new for you because the Lord, he loves you and he wants to give them to you, but also because he can trust you to lead other people into them with gentleness and courage. Thank you, Theodora. Um, I just, for one, just want to say thank you to my parents and my brother and sister who are here. Um, they've had faith in me leaving this beautiful place of Columbus, Ohio and Zion Church to go and pursue my dream of, um, and they had so much faith. So I just want to thank you guys for coming. I love you guys. And it means a lot that you guys are here. So thank you. Give it up to my beautiful family. <laughs> I wouldn't be here without you guys. So, um, 
so yeah, so I actually had a word for Linda. So Linda, if you don't mind, I would love for you to stand up. Yeah, I actually saw a whole bunch of post notes all over you. And they said, hope deliverer. That you are someone who brings so much hope to so many people. And I just want to honor you and say thank you for what you've done, for bringing so much hope to this body, to this church. But I also saw you look in the mirror and you were like, wow. And like you could see all this hope that God has given you and for what's to come. So Lord, we just thank you for Linda. We thank you for the hope of open heavens over her house, over everywhere she goes, even in the car, even when you're washing your face in the bathroom. God, we just thank you for this beautiful woman that she's a hope deliverer. And everywhere she goes, hope arises. So this is a year of hope for you. So get your hopes up because it's going to be an amazing year. Wow. So I saw God giving this church... Um, partner nations, that you were going to adopt um, some nations, and they were going to be yours to, to invest in. And um, I heard specifically, um, at least these nations, uh, Mexico and Albania and India were going to be places that God is giving this church and, and people in this church um, new levels of influence and, and ideas to bring a wow. blessing into those nations. Say those names. So India, Albania, and Mexico. Very good. I got one more. What's your name, sir, in the hoodie? Clinton. Clinton. Awesome. Would you mind standing up for me? Um, yeah, Clinton, it's, uh, the Lord calls you his hungry one. And, uh, <laughs> and the great thing is those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. So there's a new level of infilling that he's got for you. He's coming for you with more fullness. And um, he says to reinforce your coat hangers because you're getting mantle upgrades. I just, like, I can't stop staring at Jim's socks. So I just... Jim Socks? I love Jim Socks. What, those who can't see the socks, what do you see? I, they're just, they're orange. And they have, what is, is it a fox? Is it's it? Goku from uh, Dragon Ball Z. Oh, no idea who that is. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. So I just, I had this, in, like, just this feeling of anyone who has, like, funky socks on. Like, orange or have... Do you, no, Steve, you got to step up your sock game. Oh, see, Josh, Jim has them. Does anyone else have, like, really cool socks on? I love, see, and Mickey socks. I just feel like there's such this upgrade of joy that's happening in your life and just this creativity over you of bringing so much happiness to everywhere you go that you are just a joy bringer. And so we just thank you for just that Disneyland anointing of, like, people want to come to you. And they like, hey, what is this ride that you're on? And you're going to tell them about the love of Jesus. So bless you. All right, we'll hear from you more later. Give it up for these guys. Yay. All right. I want to uh, share a message today called God Loves a Cheerful Decider. God Loves a Cheerful Decider. And there's a great verse in 
2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9 is a, a strong chapter about the attitudes and benefits of financial giving. And it just gives some great promises. Reaping generously if we sow generously. Having all grace abounding to us. Uh, experiencing all sufficiency in our life. We're be, we'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Um, in the middle of 2 Corinthians 9, there's a, there's a verse, verse 7. And it contains a principle that I do believe is a life-launching principle. Yeah, I, I, I'm here with people who are not just trying to get from crisis to average. I'm not, here, I'm not just here with people who are just trying to get from problems to mediocrity. I'm here with people who are, are going to move into greatness. And, and that's our call. And I understand being in, from crisis to average. Man, if I, there's been seasons in my life, if I could just get to average, that's what I thought. Man, that'd be a success. I, I did a, when we were in, we pastored in a place called Weaverville, California for seven years. And my wife and I had a, we started a ministry called Mediocre Anonymous. <laughs> Mediocre Anonymous. I found in my life that sometimes when I just got to what I thought was normal, that I would stop pressing in. And I do this cycle, you know, just boom, boom. And then the Lord says, no, I'm going to take you from average to great. From good to great. And, and this verse is a verse that will help cause that. If we take it beyond just from a perspective about finances. Verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 9 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Wow. You know, when we see in the Bible where it says God loves something, that kind of piques my interest. How many of you know it's always wise to understand people's love languages? <laughs> you know, there's a book, The Five Love Languages. Let's see if we can remember them. Physical touch, quality time, acts of service, gifts, in words of affirmation. So those are five love languages. And when we understand, okay, what the people in our life, what is their love language, then it's wisdom to flow in that. If it's words of affirmation, then we should give some words of affirmation. Acts of service. And one of God's love languages is he loves cheerful givers. And the Greek word for cheerful is hilarious. <laughs> he loves a, a hilarious giver. And I mean, if, if somebody is just giving hilariously, you know, let's just say in an offering and just, who they must know something. They, they, they must be a person uh, uh, of faith and and, but I want to just, we're going to take this phrase by phrase. This is a really empowering verse, by the way. 
I mean, Paul writes this, and I wrote a book called Culture of Empowerment, and, and empowering, empowering leaders have great beliefs about who, who they're leading. I remember when I was pastoring in Nevada, I was complaining about my people <laughs> to the Lord. Saying, God, it's these people you've given me. I'm trying to fly like an eagle. And I'm landlocked with all these prairie chickens. <laughs> and I hear this, Steve, do you know what your people's biggest problem is? <clears throat> no, Lord. What's my people's biggest problem? Steve, your people's biggest problem is you. <laughs> they have enough problems alone, let alone having a leader who doesn't believe in them. A leader doesn't have hope for them. And, and, and just the, the upgrade of that and believing. I see people according to their potential, not according to their past. And, and this is a radical thing. You know, this verse, Paul says, hey, hey, everybody. Comes to offering, you can decide what you want to give. You decide. Ooh, that's, that's scary. Scary for leaders. Whew. You know, shouldn't we uh, guilt them into giving? <laughs> I learned so much on empowerment by my, my marriage to Wendy. You know, she's very different than me in many areas. <laughs> Early on in our marriage, I was, I was trying to conform her into my image. <laughs> and I remember when I made her, uh, you know, cry one more time. I remember the exact moment. I, you know, I'm going, eh, eh, eh. you know, eh, ah. little guilt. Eh. You know what those ants are? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Trying to motivate her. She cries one more time. Our Lord said, hey, um, Steve, this is not working. <laughs> I know. She's not getting it. <laughs> In that moment, you know, just he challenged me. He said, I want you to love her unconditionally. So, wow, that, Lord, what might she become? <laughs> what might she become without my help <laughs> and my, my giving her a little bit of guilt to help her do what she should? You know, unconditional love is risky. <laughs> 
I mean, obviously, even in that, there's, 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 there's brave communication, there's boundaries we have in relationships. But ultimately, wow, and, and I didn't do it perfectly, but something shifted in me. There, there's a, something broke in my heart for her. And, and it, I'll tell you this. She's, she's one of the most powerful people I know now. And, and it, but, but it was risky. It was risky. You know, it, it's risky to believe in people. It's risky to empower people. I mean, Jesus did it. You know, he, he had 12 guys, and the same culture that created a Judas created 11 world changers. You know, if our goal is to prevent Judases, we're never going to have 11, we'll never have world changers. And it's a mindset, it's a way of thinking, it's a way of, it's the cultures that we're creating under us. Yeah, it may create a freedom. It's like, you know, even loving ourselves unconditionally. Man, what might I become if, if I let go of the guilt? What? I'm afraid to let go of the guilt. Whew. Because I might spin out of control. Yeah, I might spin out of control. But I'll never reach greatness either. Because I'm just containing myself. I'm just trying to use the law to control me. And, and so just, just the whole empowerment thing. I mean, Paul, he, he says, hey, each one, just give what, you know, you decide. You decide. Wow. You know, sometimes I don't want to. Sometimes I'd rather be given. I don't want to decide. Give me a command. Yeah. I'd rather be a slave. Yeah. It's easier being a slave waiting for a command, yeah. being told what to do. Now, with children, you got, you, got, you know, spiritual children and natural children. Yeah, you, there's, a, there's more law. Yeah, you're not, yeah, you're, we're not letting you decide whether you want to go out into the street. Mm-mm. But when we grow, I don't expect my kids, my grown kids to call me up, say, hey, dad, I'm at the grocery store in the bean aisle. Will you tell me what beans to buy? I just don't know what to do. ridiculous all right look at these phrases each one you know the bible gives each one is is free to decide what they do and don't do yeah the bible gives clear directions on many issues but there are many things that we get to decide what to do and you know what we decide is going to be different than what somebody else decides Immature Christians want everybody to be just like them. They have to have, you, you don't have the same passion about evangelism that I do. There's something wrong with you. No, I mean, I, I, I get to, I'm, I'm going to have different emphasis. I mean, you look at the five-fold ministry, I mean, Ephesians 4.11, the prophet, apostle, pastor, teacher, evangelist. And, I mean, we're all, we all have different 
persuasions of what's important. And the evangelist, he's telling the church, we got to get out there and save people. We have too many meetings. (laughs) What are you doing soaking? (laughs) We don't have time to soak. (laughs) (laughs) The apostle, he said, huh Hey, we got we got to change world on, on earth as it is in heaven. You know, I mean, just we we can't waste time with things. We get we we've got to get people outside the church and do it. Again, we have too many meetings in the church. I don't want to be in a meeting in a church. And you got the pastors and teachers saying, "Say, man, you know, how can we?" Go out there, we're so dysfunctional. (laughs) What do you mean, go out and save the world, save people, change society? Man, our homes are a mess, finances are a mess, emotions are a mess. What do you mean? What's wrong with you, evangelists and apostles? (laughs) Ha ha. Then you got the prophet. Shape up or ship out. (laughs) Get over it. No, we, we we, we need each other, don't we? I need you. I need I need to understand you. I need to understand your perspective. Each one. Decide, you know, it's a, and it goes on, it says, each one must give. By the way, let me go, let me say one more thing about each one. Like it says in in Romans 14, 5, it says, one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced, say fully convinced. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. That's an interesting verse. I said, wow. You think the Sabbath's on Saturday? Be fully convinced. You think it's Sunday? Be fully convinced. You think it's every day? Be fully convinced. You decide. But whatever you decide, be fully convinced. By the way, people who are fully convinced about who they are and about what they're doing have power. I've shared um, a bad decision made in faith has a greater likelihood of success than a good decision made in doubt. A bad decision made in faith has a greater likelihood of success than a good decision made in doubt. I'm not talking about sinning in faith. But I'm talking about the areas where the Lord hasn't given where he says he gives us the opportunity to decide. Double-mindedness is the enemy of great influencers. And the Lord's leading us to be fully convinced. To be fully convinced of who we are and what we're doing. And in, even, even in giving, you know, it's like... Um, I, I, need, I need, Whatever I do, I need to do it in faith. Faith. 
If I, let's say I drive by somebody who has a sign, you know, asking for money, and, and, and I, I don't give, I need to not give in faith, not, not give in guilt. We, we know we're, we're, we're growing when we actually decide what we're going to do and not do, and do it in faith. And, and if we just only, if, if we're guilt-ridden because we don't go to the meeting, or guilt-ridden because we didn't give, or, or, or whatever then there's something in our heart that has to be touched. Because where we're going, we can't take that with us. It says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Wow. We get to decide how much to give in finances, time, energy, and in relationships. I need to decide in my heart what I'm going to do. I want you to say this, uh, I'm a great decision maker. Again, slaves are always waiting for a command from God or from others to know what to do. But sons are given increasing authority to decide for themselves through good decision making process. You know, let me just give you a couple ideas on how to, be, how to see great decision-making in your life. Number one is believe you're a great decision-maker. How many of you know those who believe they're great decision-makers are great decision-makers? Some would say, well, I'm not going to believe I'm a great decision-maker until I see great decision-making manifesting consistently in my life. Let's laugh at that. Ha, ha, ha. I used to have the attitude, I'll believe when I see. Yep, I see it's in my life. Now I believe it about me. I'm a great man of faith. No, the Lord says, Steve, you're a great man of fact. We applaud that. That's really noble. You believe after you see. We, we, we just... We celebrate that. Ha, ha. Uh -uh, the, the kingdom advances believe and then see. So that's, that's, the way, that's the way faith is. We have to believe something higher than what we're experiencing. It's called faith. So if you want to be a great decision maker, you start believing you're a great decision maker. You say, well, I don't know. Well, I'll give you some scripture to back that up. Uh, the Bible says that you have the mind of Christ. How many think that's pretty good? Just say, I have the mind of Christ. The Bible says you have a sound mind. Just say, I have a sound mind. So you believe that. You start believing it. Again, our, our experience will catch up to our beliefs. I'm a great decision maker, having a non-great decision making experience. But I'm a great decision maker. Keep believing it, keep believing it, keep believing it, and then pretty soon our experience catches up to our beliefs. And the gap time is called faith. Make sure our decisions are based on Scripture. Know when not to make a decision. 
That's kind of important. Don't make major decisions or major conclusions when you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Or when you're running from something. Learn when not to make a decision. Yeah. There's times where I just have to say, you know what? I'm not at a place where, Wendy, my, my comments and my perspective, you probably don't want to hear it right now. Mm-hmm. Let me get some sleep. Let me get back into some fellowship, back in the Word, and then talk to me tomorrow about that. You clarify your options. What are my options? It can be major decisions, moving here, job there, ministry, something, or it can be seemingly smaller. Should I join that group? Should I not? You put your options and you put all the reasons why those options are either a good decision or a bad decision. You put that underneath. Then you ask, Lord, show me supernatural signs, prophetic words, dreams, scriptures highlighted, and start putting them under those options. And then pretty soon you have a God story. It's what happened in Acts 16. Paul's trying to go into Bithynia and Mysia, but he can't. And then he has a vision from the Macedonians calling, you know, calling to him. And it says in the New King James Version that Paul concluded. Say concluded. Paul concluded he was to go to Mount. He, he, he had a God story. He had, he had this check about going elsewhere, and then he had, and he, and, and decision making is concluding what God is saying. I conclude, yeah, mm-hmm. And then, I, when I make decisions, and I, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll tell the Lord when I'm ready to make a decision. The bigger the decision is, the longer time I'll, I'll give him to do this. But I'll say, hey, Lord, I'm planning on doing this. This is where I'm going. I'm concluding. This is it. I'm, I'm going to give you a week to change my mind. I'm going to give you a week. And the only way you can change my mind is through another God story, not through negative emotions or circumstances. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. But if I don't hear something, different, I'm going to attach my faith to this decision. I'm, then I'm going to attach my faith to it. And, and sincere Christians are often the, have the most difficulty in decision-making because we're so afraid to be wrong. I might be wrong. <laughs> Devil used to, oh, man, he'd haunt me with that law. Huh? What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? <laughs> That's right. What if I am wrong? Huh? <laughs> I remember after I asked Wendy to marry me, I'd done the process, but I leave her. I'm in my Volkswagen bus, <laughs> driving away, and I felt like every demon in the whole state of California got into my bus. <laughs> and they said this, what if you are wrong? 
what if I am wrong? I started to meditate on that, <laughs> renew my mind with that. <laughs> yeah, if I am wrong, Whew. I'm so glad that we didn't have cell phones then. I could, <laughs> could text Wendy and say, oh, what if I'm wrong? No, I didn't have any way. I, I just, just, which, just me and God. I remember I went to a prayer house, and I just had it out. I mean, I, was, you know, I had it out with the devil. I had it out with my mind, and I went back and rehearsed why I had made that decision. Why? Why? And then that thing got broken off me. Powerful people are powerful decision makers. And I'm just hearing this, that everybody within the sound of my voice, you're going to the next level in how you make decisions. Yeah. I can put up with a, a lot of junk if I've got a word from the Lord. I can put up with a lot of outward non-success if I believe I've heard from Him. All right. And then it says, um, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Hmm. Now, just in talking about God loves a cheerful decider, I'm really interested in areas of my life that I do, that I only do reluctantly. You know, or under compulsion. I don't really want to do this, but I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. But I'm doing it. Don't want to be in this marriage, but I'm doing it. Don't want to be in this ministry, but I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. But at least I'm doing it. Well, and there's times where, yeah, that's the case, where our emotions aren't in line in faith, but we can't stay there. You've got to decide. Hebrews 6, it talks about the elementary principles of Christ. It gives six things. It says repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, which are six basic principles that will keep us doctrinally sound. The first one is repentance from dead works. I believe a dead work is anything we're consistently doing reluctantly or under compulsion. I believe a dead work is anything we're consistently doing reluctantly or under compulsion. And, you know, when you get there, it's just, wow, it's amazing how many, many things we can actually do. It could be big things in our life or just little, little things. Little things. There's really three ways to do things. Reluctantly or under compulsion, passively or in faith. You could come to this meeting reluctantly. Wow, my spouse said I had to come. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> yeah. I don't really want to be here, but I have to be here. 
The other way, you can come passively. Yep, I'm just here waiting to see what happens. <laughs> I'm here, yep. Just going to wait, wait to see what happens. Hope it's a good meeting. Or you can come in faith. Now, for God loves a cheerful giver, God loves a cheerful decider. What I believe is that cheerfulness is the evidence that we've attached faith to what we're doing. Cheerfulness is the evidence that we've attached faith to what we're doing. Cheerfulness is the evidence we've attached faith to what we're doing. It's, it's, a, it's, a high, it's a high bar. But once we see it, 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 it it's, it's what launches us from mediocrity to greatness. I can, you know... I do a lot of meetings. Travel about half the year. I don't know how many meetings I do. I mean, I probably in the last two weeks, I don't know, I've spoken 10, maybe even 20 times. I don't, I don't know. Um, and I, I could do meetings reluctantly. Oh, no, another meeting. Uh, Zion has me doing a 10 a.m. Saturday meeting. <laughs> 10 a.m. Saturday. Okay. Yep. Because I'm a faithful guy. I'm going to show up and do my job. <laughs> I said last night, I said, faithfulness is not just showing up. It's how you think when you show up. I could do it reluctantly. No, I'm not going to do it reluctantly. I could do it passively. Mm-mm. We do it in faith. Now, pretty much before every meeting, and I said it today, I said it to myself, I said it out loud, this is going to be a great meeting. This 10 a.m. meeting is going to be powerful. I say it. I start attaching my faith. I'm doing this in faith. And, and you know what happens the moment I start saying that? I start getting cheerful. I go, wow, this is kind of exciting. Oh, you know, I mean, anytime you've got faith, then, then you, oh, you're, what's God going to do? What's going to happen? Who's going to be here? What's my team going to do? Well, what, what am I going to receive by, from the people there? And, and so faith creates this cheerfulness within our lives. And, and you know, it's, there's no condemnation if we're not cheerful in what we're doing. Because every one of us has things, yeah, I'm just doing this. But, but we're not, again, we're not going to stay there. I'm talking to a group of people who's going somewhere. I'm talking to a group of people that God's got powerful plans for your life. Paul said in Philippians 3.13, 
He said, one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead. Man, I'm reaching. For I got things ahead of me. You got things ahead of you. And vision for the future gives power and purpose for the present. I got, I got vision. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm building this muscle of faith. I'm in training right now. I'm in training today of how to think. How to think. And I, I'm, I'm going after reluctance. I'm going after passivity. Those things are, are, are getting obliterated. Someone just say fire. fire. Freedom. Freedom. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. No limits. All right, so what do we do with this? A chronic lack of cheerfulness in our disciplines, our schedules, our responsibilities, our assignments is most likely a sign we have decided out of obligation instead of faith. I've decided out of obligation and not faith. Let me read that again. A chronic... Lack of cheerfulness in our disciplines, our schedule, our responsibilities, or our assignments is most likely a sign we have decided out of obligation instead of faith. This is, by the way, this is a blog that I, I did on my website, God Loves a Cheerful Decider. I've got a podcast on it as well. And if this has happened to us, that we're doing things out of obligation, then I suggest you do this. Clarify and re-clarify what you are to do. Look at everything you're doing, from big to small, and say, am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do this? And just face them. <clears throat> and then once you've decided what you're going to do, you're, by the way, you're a powerful decider. Each one must decide in his own heart. Once you've decided, then speak life over your commitments. Speak life over your commitments. Our, our, our words set the course of our life. Our words are like a rudder on a ship and a bit in a horse's mouth, James 3. Start speaking. You know, just, I shared last night when I wake up in the morning, I say, this is a great day. This is a day of victory and breakthrough. And I don't feel it when I say it, but I start attaching faith to the day. I mean, David, when he went after Goliath, man, he, David must have gone to a name it and claim it, blab it and grab it church. <laughs> Listen to what he said. This day, the Lord has given you into my hands. I'm going to cut your head off. <laughs> he didn't even have a sword. 
All he had was a sling. So I'm going to cut your head. I mean, this guy, he was out there. <laughs> Whoo! He was out there. I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds of the air. But I love it when he said, this day. This day. He, and just starting to attach faith to what we believe. Thank you, Lord, for my marriage. Thank you. Thank you what you're doing in it. Thank you, God, that, you know, just for your blessing on it. Thank you that I'm going to know what to do. Thank you, Father, for my children. Thank you, Lord, for um, this job that, man, there's, I, I wish I had a better job, but I've, I've looked at it, and I've said, no, I'm, I'm attaching my faith that I'm supposed to be here at this time. I'm not here reluctantly or passively. I'm here in faith. And, and, and just making declarations, of, this is going to be a great day at work. And then press into your beliefs until cheerfulness manifests consistently. It may take a while, but the journey is incredible in going deeper in defeating the lies that create a lack of cheerfulness and giving our time, finances, and energy. And one more thing I'll say about this. Anywhere where we attach faith, we have energy. Energy comes from faith. Tiredness comes from double-mindedness and doing things reluctantly or out of obligation or passivity. I'm just tired. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm just so tired. Oh, I'm so tired. I mean, there, there's physical reasons for tiredness, certainly, but a lot of people's tiredness is spiritual. Spiritual. You start attaching faith, you're going to get energy. Romans 15, 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You, 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 start, you start getting energy. You believe. You, just, you, you start abounding. And yeah, last night, I closed talking about sports teams. I think it's a great analogy. Every day, Every day, it's like, a, it's like a new game. Again, the Ohio State Buckeyes in the locker room before the game are not talking defeat. They're not there reluctantly or out of compulsion. I don't really want to be at this game. I don't really want to be here. Coach says we have to be here for the game. Can't wait till this game gets over so I can really live. <laughs> so I can really live. <laughs> yeah. 
How's everybody feeling in the locker room? Not good. Again, and they're not there passively. Let's see what happens. Let's see if it's a good day. Mm -mm. They're, they're, they're there in faith. They're not in faith. They shouldn't be on the team. And they believe, they believe they're winners. Even teams that aren't doing well have to believe they're winners. Because if you don't, you have to believe you're a winner before you start winning. And sports teams learn how to light their own fire. And they learn how to do things in faith. And they understand their assignments. Each one. Hey, I'm not the quarterback. I'm the center. I hike the ball. I'm, I'm doing this in faith. I wish I could throw a pass or run the ball, but that's not my assignment. Wish I could be up here speaking, but that's not my assignment. I'm doing what I do in faith. Not reluctantly. No, I understand what I'm to do. I understand my assignment. I've got clarity. I'm not comparing myself to others. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not focusing on doors that aren't open for me. I'm focusing on the doors that are and doing that in faith. I remember as a young leader, I said, Lord, I can't wait until I do something great for you. I just can't wait for that day. He said, instead of waiting to do something great, why don't you do what you're doing right now in great faith, and it will become great. Wendy shared this here before, but it's so good. If, you're, if your job is to clean the toilets, do it in great faith. The next person who sits on this is going to have an encounter. <laughs> you do what you do. Each one gives. Right? I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, what am I to do? What's my assignment? What are you saying for me? I, I hear God's clarifying assignments. He's breaking double-mindedness off people. Breaking doubt off people. Breaking comparison off people. Breaking that you've got to, you know, the guilting people into things off people. Breaking the thing of us being guilted into things off people. Breaking reluctance off people. Breaking doing things just out of compulsion. You know, I, I have to do it. He's breaking that thing off us. Because we're going somewhere. Just say, I'm going somewhere. Hmm. Let's, um, let me interact a little bit with you on this. And then we'll have the team come on up. And What's something you heard today that spoke to you? 
Let, let's, let's get this thing deeper. Who wants to say, I heard this. This spoke to me. Yep. You played center at Ohio State? What, what year? Wow. Who was quarterbacking then? Okay, Arch. He's in prison. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a, we pray for him. And what's your name? What's first name? John. Yeah. Well, then you, you, wow, that's exciting. That is exciting. Ohio State Buckeye. We, yeah, who played center? I'm talking about center. Imagine that. I've never used that example ever before that I can remember. I mean, it's, it's so interesting. Just, you just get in a, a culture and you... And you had, to, you, had to be, you had to be a happy center. Yeah. Center's important. You don't have a good center, you got a problem. Wow. What else did somebody hear? Yep. Want everybody to say that. I'm going to the next level in decision making. Yeah, my response to something is almost always more important than this something. Whoa. Cheerfulness is the evidence that we've attached faith to what we are doing. My, that's worth the whole meeting right there. Yep, the same way we come into the kingdom is the same way we advance. We do it by hearing good news and believing it. Instead of waiting to do something great, do what you do now. Yep, instead of waiting to do something great, do what you're doing right now in great faith. Yep, faithfulness is not just showing up. It's how I think when I show up. I show up full of faith. <laughs> is that David? Good to see you. Yeah, I got to believe I'm a winner before I start winning. I think, you know, Dave, I'm going to release that story probably tonight. I'm winning too. <laughs> yeah. That goes for parents. That goes for, you know, oh, we have great beliefs about who we're leading. And again, those get challenged. But we understand one of the most important things we do as an influencer is have good beliefs about the people we lead. When God asks you questions, he's not looking for information. He's, he's going to give you revelation. How, how many say amen to that? Yep. Every belief in our life that doesn't have hope attached to it needs to be surrendered. 
Let me find that one. Yes. Mm. A chronic lack of cheerfulness in our disciplines, our schedule, our responsibilities, or assignments is most likely a sign we have decided out of obligation instead of faith. You can hear, but not hear. Yeah, sometimes that's positive. Sometimes it's negative. Yeah, I think those of us in marriage can relate to that one. You're not really listening. Yep, the same culture that created a Judas created 11 world changers. If our goal in leadership is to prevent Judas's, we'll probably never have 11 world changers. Energy comes from doing things in faith. You want more energy in your life? It's even better than a red bull. Attach faith to what you're doing. Yep. I can put up with a lot of junk in my life, a lot of outward non-success, if I believe I've heard a word from the Lord in direction and promise. <laughs> oh, it's so fun to hear what you guys hear. <laughs> the next person that sits on this toilet's going to have an encounter with God. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, those who are fully convinced. Uh, Romans 14.5 says, let each of you be fully convinced in your own mind. And there is power when we're fully convinced, whether it's our identity or what we're doing. People with wisdom choose what they hear. I said last night, First uh, Timothy 5.19, it says, receive not an accusation against an elder except in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Basically, that tells us that we can hear something and not receive it. And, and so learning what to receive and what actually to hear is walking in wisdom. Well, I agree with that. We should all have a windy in our lives. Yeah, I remember as a young leader, I said, Lord, I want to be a man of God. He said, okay, get married. And it's refined me. It's still refining me. And, but it's what a journey. What a, what a journey to walk with someone. Yeah. Yeah. All improvements stop. All, uh, all advancement towards excellence stops where there's no hope. But hope is the catalytic. Where there's hope, we improve and move towards excellence. Unconditional love is risky. Unconditional love is risky. 
It is risky. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes, it is. All right. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to let our team come on up. And just before they do, let me just quickly just remind you, um, you can find us at ignitinghope.com. Hey, do we have slides today? We do? All right, let me just say this. Uh, April 23rd to 25th in Reading. If you want to take a trip to Reading, you've been thinking about doing that, or the Lord just prompts you, we're going to have a three-day conference. Wendy and I are a Thursday night through Saturday night, Abounding Hope and Joy conference. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be, it's a smaller conference, be about 150, maybe 350 people. So it's really, it's a more intimate setting rather than a massive conferences. And uh, it's, it's powerful. We also have... Um, Let's see, the Negativity Fast, Positivity Feast is coming up, 40 days. Uh, just uh, Fast Lies, Feast on Truth. It's a 40-day journey uh, of renewing the mind. You get a daily email on, on uh, first level, second level. You get a whole bunch of other content. You get a, a PDF book of uh, Igniting Faith in 40 Days, which is the basis for it. And the third level is we have a... Um, everything in level one and two, and then we also have a belief trainer where you have two sessions. Is it two or three? Is it two, I think? Three? Well, two or three sessions with a belief trainer from Igniting Home Ministries to actually meet with you online and, um, yeah, just help personalize the, the journey of renewing the mind and getting rid of lies and believing truth and and so that's 11. Then we also, let's see, do we have a QR code? Look at that thing. Now, we're going to leave that up for a little while. Those of you, most of your smartphones, if you want to connect with us, you can just put your camera uh, on that, and it will uh, bring up our website. And if you want to sign up for our newsletter, I do a weekly podcast, weekly blog. And it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's good. People have just about 10, 15 minutes long. And also, if you get our newsletter, when we're in an area, we send an email out like a 200-mile radius uh, of uh, where if, you're in, if you live in that area, you'll get an email telling you where Wendy and I are, that we're in your region for you to be able to come and hear us. And also, you'll learn about our online activities and all of that. So, isn't that a... a I know, this is high tech. We've just gone to another level. Hey, team, come on up. we got about uh, 10 minutes here before lunch. And by the way, is the meeting tonight at 6? Yeah. Tonight's going to be a great meeting. This thing's going to build. This thing, you know, is, is going to build. And, um, and then tomorrow morning, we're going to have a great meeting. And then tomorrow night the school. I know you're invited to come to that. It's an open meeting. That's also going to be powerful. So, Brenna, what, let's just bless some people. And I was getting that the Lord is healing hearts, physical hearts, and also um, emotional wounds that have felt wow. impossible. The Lord is rushing in to heal those today, like right now, doing that right wow. now. Um, is anyone's name Foster, or does the name Foster mean anyone to any, anything to anyone? 
That's your nephew? Your nephew's name is Foster? Um, this might be for your family. It might, it might be for the church at large, but I was getting that, um, that you're a good shepherd like your father, and there are being keys released for the foster care system in the greater Columbus area as well as the larger Ohio. There's going to be people, I think it's also for the church, there are going to be people rise up, even families, um, even young people. We had a testimony.